speakers, singers, and weren't they good? I reckon we've got a good start for a quartet up here. A, well, me and, and me mate, where's me mate? Bill down the back. And who's the other cock- cockatoo? Um, <laughs> there's three of us. We reckon we make a great, great trio. Not good singers, though. Great song, that last one. And the one before I liked even better. You'll notice that the cross has got some colour on it again. It's been a while since we had some colour, so I thought we'd have some colour. And it's got to do with our Bible reading, as it turns out. Why those two colours, besides I like them? Well, the green is for new life. And in nine weeks' time, we're celebrating God's new life on earth. That's why it's green. And because it's God's new life on earth, it's the gold for the king. So that'll be up there for the next or seven or eight weeks probably. When you see it, it's not about anything other than symbolism. It's about Jesus coming to us as king. That's wonderful, I reckon. Maybe the colours you don't like, but the thought is wonderful. Luke chapter 2, the lost Jesus. That's not what it says, but that's what it's about. Reading from verse 41. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their friends and relatives. Probably got a little bit hectic after a while. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Jerusalem was a big town. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, and you can imagine the tone of voice, Son, why have you treated us like this? My father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I would reckon after three days, frantically searching. Why were you searching for me? He said. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. For his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in the favour of men and God. We've spent the last few weeks looking at this whole question of what it takes to grow godly families. And we've, we've, we started out and we explored the effect that our Christian faith has on the relationships inside the home between husband and wife and, and parents and children. And we've seen uh, a few weeks ago how God wants our families to mirror the relationship that He has with His church. And we saw last week that God insists on being number one even in our homes. 
And this week we're finishing our series by looking at this incident in Jesus' childhood. Um, by now you've probably realised that I'm somewhat of a reader. Uh, I'm glad to say I've run out of bookshelf space in the last month, which is a great joy to me because I need to buy a new bookshelf. Um, one of the books I used to read when I was a kid was Biggles. Anybody know Biggles? Who doesn't? Biggles is a great book. In fact, I still collect Biggles books. A few years ago, my, my grandmother gave me this, this beautiful book, first edition, 1968, before I was born, The Boy Biggles. And the author in here writes, if you don't know Biggles, he's a war pilot, great adventures, everything. But the, the author here writes in the introduction, I'm writing this book for those fans who wondered what the hero Biggles was like in his childhood days. It's a pathetic book, by the way. It's not as good as his other ones. But have you ever wondered what Jesus was like in his boyhood days? Have you ever wondered what, what life was like in Joseph and Mary's home? How did Jesus behave? How different was it for Mary and Joseph bringing up Jesus than it was for them bringing up their other kids? This morning we're looking, as I said, at at this incident at the temple when Jesus was 12 years old. And the reason we're doing that is because the goal of our faith, the goal of of the church, of, of Christianity, is to become more and more like Jesus. When we look at Jesus, we see what God wants our lives to look like. So when we look at Jesus in the context of his family, we've got to get some hints as to what God would have in our own families. And we're going to see that the way Jesus deals with his parents describes and is an example for children today. If you remember, if you were here last week, we looked at, at the birth of the prophet Samuel, this great man whose, whose mother Hannah dedicated him to the service of the Lord. And we saw that, that, that his parents, Hannah and Elkanah, made a big deal of taking their son Samuel to Shiloh every year so that they could worship the Lord there. And here as we come to Luke chapter 2, the end of the chapter, we see a very similar thing happening with Mary and Joseph and their family. Luke tells us that, that they went every year to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Every year they made it their custom and their ritual and their tradition to go and worship the Lord and remember how God saves. And the fact that Luke tells us that Jesus' parents in the plural went is quite significant. Because according to the Old Testament laws, it was only the blokes that had to go to Jerusalem on a yearly basis. And yet Luke turns around and says in verse 41 to us, every year his parents went along to Jerusalem. Even though Mary didn't have to go, she went. And to me that suggests that this wasn't a family just fulfilling a duty. They weren't just 
following their religion, they were dedicated to God. Mary went along because she wanted to go along. And if both parents went to Jerusalem, I suspect all of the kids would have gone to Jerusalem as well. A very few ABC childcare centres back then which would take your children for two weeks. The feast of Passover would, would last for about seven days. You'd have quite a few days' journey on foot to get there and back again. It's a long time. So it seems to me like Mary and Joseph and Jesus and, and probably the other kids went along to Jerusalem. And it makes sense because Passover has always been a family occasion. It's always been a time for families to come together to celebrate the fact that God saves. Do you remember the very first Passover in Egypt? God said, every family go into their own homes and remember and pray and celebrate the fact that I'm going to save you tonight. And as part of the Passover ritual, the oldest male child would pipe up with that question we heard a few weeks ago in Deuteronomy. Why is it that we do this stuff? I don't know if you've ever realized it, but Jesus was the oldest male child. They would have gone to Jerusalem every year, sat down to the feast, and Jesus would have piped up and said, So Joseph, why do we do this? And Joseph would have answered, well, it's because of what God has done. It's because God is the God who saves us. He rescued us from slavery in Egypt. You know, it's kind of appropriate, isn't it? Isn't this wonderful that, that Jesus has that question to ask? And isn't it wonderful that this is the moment that Luke introduces us to the boy Jesus? This is the first time in Luke's Gospel that we hear Jesus speaking. But later on, when, when his mum and dad come and have a, a sad at him. But it's all around Passover. It's all around the time which is all about Jesus. I don't know if you realise it, but, but the way Luke has structured his Gospel is to put a story of Jesus at Passover when he was 12 at the beginning and the story of Jesus at Passover when he was executed at the end. The whole of Jesus' ministry for Luke is wrapped up in this festival where God saves. And just by the by, is at both of these occasions on the cross when he answers Mary, that Jesus says, I am in my Father's business. On the cross, Father to you. Anyway, Luke tells us that, that this particular year, Jesus is, is 12 years old. Is it, is it strange to think of Jesus as a boy? Just by the by. I, I find it really difficult to get my head around Jesus as a boy. But this is what Luke is telling us about. He's 12 years old and, and it sounds young, doesn't it? It sounds like, like he's still, I mean, primary school age. But what we need to realize is that in those days, 12 years 
was 12 going on 20. 12 was the equivalent of 17 today. When you turned 13 years old, you became an adult. You would come of age. You would be given the name of, of, of man. As far as society was concerned, at 13, you were able to have your own stand. You were able to take on the responsibilities of being one of God's people. And here we have 12-year-old Jesus. And it's kind of ironic. He's 12 years old, but he's before time. And here is the creator of all things, humbling himself, a 12-year-old boy, going to Jerusalem with his parents. And the festival would have taken, as I said, about a week to, to finish and, and, and it's a great story. Everybody starts leaving and in the rush, Mary and Joseph join the column heading back to Nazareth and Jesus is left behind. Now I remember the first time I went with my father to a rugby union match back in South Africa. It was great fun. I have no idea who was playing who. I have no idea who won. Terrible. What I do remember, though, is leaving. You know what happens when you go to the footy match and, and the whistle blows and it's just like... Everybody gets up. Everybody's moving. I guess this was kind of similar to what happened in Jerusalem at the end of the festival. Everybody stayed. Now everybody's got to get back home, got to get back to the farm, got to get back to the work. So I can kind of understand Mary and Joseph losing Jesus in the crowd and, and not realizing that he wasn't with them. They would have been traveling with a bunch of people from the same area, their, their friends and their relatives. And, and there's some evidence even that, that on these journeys to and from Jerusalem, the woman and the children would walk up the front and the men, the adults, would walk at the back. And since Jesus was, was 12 going on 13, since he was a child but almost a man. He could have been walking up front with his mum and the kids or he could have been up back with Joseph and the rest of the men. And I'm sure Mary walked and said, ah, positive Jesus is with Joseph. And I'm sure Joseph would have said, I'm sure Jesus is walking up front with Mary. <laughs> but he wasn't, obviously. Wasn't up front, wasn't up back, wasn't in the middle with Auntie Beth, wasn't with the neighbours from next door. He was left in Jerusalem. And it's only after a full day's walking that Mary and Joseph realise it. They would have stopped, set up camp probably, lit the fire, got some food going. And I reckon Mary got a little bit worried when Jesus didn't turn up to dinner. Kids tend to turn up for meals. And they were frantic. I think Luke is, is very kind to Mary when, when he says in verse 44, they began looking for him among their relatives and friends and when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem. I mean, that, that, that sounds so genteel. And, and When Mary realized that Jesus wasn't there, she threw a fit. 
I am certain. Can you imagine them running amongst these people on the road, looking into every tent, seeing is Jesus there, worrying, oh, maybe he's got fallen next to the road, or what's happened to our son? <coughs> Can you imagine the night they must have spent worrying where Jesus was? And the next day, as, as all their friends and relatives head back up to Nazareth, Mary and Joseph, probably the other kids, turn around and go back to Jerusalem. Trying to find Jesus. Trying to figure out where He would have gone. What an encouraging story for parents. This is a great story for parents. Because Mary and Joseph were not perfect parents. They made a terrible mistake, really. They left a 12-year-old child in a strange city. Just, just, if, if that was a normal child, that would be something bad, but, but they left the Son of God to fend for Himself in a strange city. God had given them the responsibility of looking after His Son and they dropped the ball. And yet God, who knows all, was still willing to give Jesus into their charge. Parents can make mistakes, we can all make mistakes, but, but God does still use us. He still chose to use Mary and Joseph. Mistakes don't disqualify you. You know, one of the things I find interesting is, is the amount of time that Mary and Joseph spent looking for Jesus. And when they do find Him, Luke tells us that they were shocked I'm sure there was a, you know, a slight amount of relief running through Mary's brain at the same time, but, but Mary, in perfect motherly love, turns to Jesus and says, Boy, where have you been? Don't you know where we've been looking? All over for you. I mean, this, this was not a boy. Where have you been? Mary was frantic. She'd spent three days worrying about him. And I love that boy, that child. Jesus' response. Why have you been looking? Didn't you realize that I had to be in my father's house? First words Jesus speaks that, we write, that, that are written down for us. You know, Mary and Joseph didn't really understand Jesus at this stage at least. They didn't click that, that he wasn't a little boy anymore. Verse 52 tells us that Jesus was growing in stature, that he was growing in wisdom, that he was growing in, in, in the sight of, of God and men. 
But I suspect in the eyes of, of Mary and Joseph, he was still just a child. If you've got teenagers or you can find some to torment, go to them and call them child. Go, or, or boy, or girl. or oh. See the reaction you'll get. Jesus is about to become a man in the eyes of society and along comes a mother as only a mother can and says, Child. And Jesus, Jesus wasn't a teenager, you know, acting out by staying behind in Jerusalem. He wasn't being deliberately obstreperous. Great word that. Jesus wasn't rebelling against his parents. As so many teenagers do. No. Jesus at 12 years old was simply going about his father's work. He was in his father's house discussing theology with the teachers. He wasn't acting like a child. He was, he was acting like the God he is. Verse 47 tells us that that everyone was surrounding him and they were amazed at his wisdom and his understanding. And he was sitting in the midst of the scholars in the temple. You know, we've seen in the last few weeks how, how God puts the family as the, the main place where education in terms of Christianity is to take place. That parents have the, the major responsibility for bringing their children up to know the Lord. But at the same time, the church does have a role to play. Jesus spent time in the temple. Jesus sat amongst the learned men of the age and he discussed the matters of God with them. He asked questions. He answered questions. I wonder if Jesus was sitting here whether we wouldn't send him out to Sunday school something more age-appropriate. As I said, this is the first time that Luke records Jesus speaking for himself. If you get a chance, and as Christmas comes, I hope you do read the first couple of chapters of, of Luke. And you'll see there are plenty of people announcing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, come to save us. But here at the beginning... Jesus himself says, I am in my Father's house. Yes, Mum, the man I call Dad, Joseph, has been looking for me, but I was in my Father's house. So Jesus recognized that, that he had two families. He had the family into which he was born, and he had the family which he'd always been a part of. And the good news for us is, of course, that because of Jesus' sacrifice, we too are adopted into that family. We also have a second family. Children belong to their biological parents, but, but we all belong to God, first and foremost. And what Jesus says to Mary and to Joseph 
Incidentally, Joseph doesn't say a word. Fascinating. Mary must have been a very strong character. Look at verse 50, what Jesus says. They didn't, uh, sorry, verse 49, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus has just told Mary and Joseph that his life revolves around God, not around them. And Mary and Joseph didn't understand. Remember, verse 47 has told us that that everybody else is sitting there saying, wow, what an amazing wisdom and understanding this 12-year-old has. And Mary and Joseph are told bluntly, I am in my father's house doing my father's business and they have a blank look on their face. They just couldn't come to grips with Jesus, with the fact that He is God. Despite the fact that Mary had had an angel tell her exactly that 13 years before. It's a little bit different, but but what about children today who grow up in a home where, where one or both parents just don't get Jesus? Don't get spending time in God's church. Don't get spending time discussing God's Word. What about people who dedicate their lives to God as Lord and Saviour and in turn are rejected by their families. You know, it's a sad thing, but but I think Jesus knew something of what that's like. His own family didn't really get him for a long time. They didn't understand why it was natural for him to be about God's business. And yet verse 51 tells us that that Jesus went back to Nazareth with his his parents. He was obedient to them. He honoured them. He put them above his own call and desire to be in the temple with God. Reminds us of what Paul said in Ephesians 6, Children, honour your parents, for this is right. You know, this is a fascinating little episode that Luke tells us here. Tells us that families don't have to be perfect to be used by God. It reminds us that that Jesus had and in Jesus we have a loving Heavenly Father. We have a spiritual family. And it demonstrates to us what it means to honour our parents. What does it take to grow godly families. It takes God to be in the family. And your family might not be perfect. This one wasn't. But I have no doubt that, that this was a godly family. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are our example. Lord, you are an example to us in your adult life and you are an example to us in your childhood. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you came to do your Father's work. Help us to follow your example. Lord Jesus, may you come into our families and grow godly families in this place. Amen.